0: Hi and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast, I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Mark Felt, the man who brought down the White House, in today's statistics episode. We read the wind and the sky, when the sun is high, we sail the length of the seas, on the ocean breeze, at night we name every star, we know where we are. This is a new release film that uh, opened at our, a nearby theater for me this past weekend, uh, so I finally got a chance to see it. I wasn't particularly looking forward to it, uh, you know, I, I think there was like a, a spattering of, of excitement for it a couple of weeks ago, but that quickly died out when the reviews came in pretty bad, so... It wasn't something I was particularly looking forward to, but it did have a ton of names in it, you know, It's not a small cast, a huge ensemble. and, in my opinion, a wasted ensemble. Uh, the story follows Mark Felt, who worked at the FBI. He was the uh, number two at the FBI during the entire Watergate scandal and fiasco. And the film follows his, life, his perspective, and his conflicts, inner conflicts, as he tries to not only, like, solve the issue, but make sure we're thinking about it, and make sure that the issue is something we're talking about, and we don't just kind of sweep it under the rug, which was the intention at the time. It's, you know, we've had movies about the Watergate scandal before, this is not a good one. It presupposes that the viewer knows a lot about the Watergate scandal beforehand, and that I, I hate that. I hate movies that do that, particularly movies about real-life stories, because I, I don't think a lot of people know all of the intimate details about the Watergate scandal. You know, I have a very cursory understanding of it as well, mostly knowing anything I do know through movies about the scandal itself. So, um, it's very limited, and on top of that, there is this absurd sort of B-plot involving uh, Mark Felt's daughter, played by Micah Monroe, who doesn't show up in the movie until the last, like, 20 minutes, that feels completely unnecessary and out of place, and doesn't impact the plot whatsoever. So, all in all, not a good movie, and... There's not really much to go on, and much to write home about. I thought Liam Neeson was okay, Uh, so, you know, it's not awful as a whole. You know, some of the, like, small side characters are decent, so I, you know, I, I can't fault all the actors, but it's a movie that, you know, you're gonna forget about it in a couple of days after you see it, if not an hour later, kind of a thing, so... Let's go. Here's, here's Mark Felt, the man who brought down the White House or as I'm going to refer to it from now on, just Mark Felt. Uh, so I saw this October 30th so uh, Monday? No? Yes, Monday. Uh, it, it runs at about 99 minutes um, which is actually fairly short given you know the subject matter. It's the kind of movie that you'd expect to exceed two hours but it's very clippy which I was very happy with. Uh, it's a 2017 release And my brief synopsis, summary, is the man who helped uncover the Watergate scandal. That's pretty much it. You know, Mark Felt was uh, Deep Throat, and this movie tries to show us just who he was and what he was about. Uh, I gave the movie a 32 out of 100, so again, not awful, but but definitely pretty bad. And it currently has a 33% on Rotten Tomatoes. So... So I'm in line with the critics pretty closely. Uh, The director is Peter Landsman. Uh, This is the third credit he's got on my spreadsheet. The other two are Concussion uh, with Will Smith and Parkland, another ensemble. Um, Mark Felt ranks as his lowest rated film and drops his average film rating to a 4633 Uh, It is his only film rated below a 50, and it drops his value to a negative 1. His score is 26.8, which leaves him ranked 921st overall, uh, which seems kind of high, given that none of his films are rated positively, but um, that's just uh, the way. But, I mean, 921st, that's not actually terribly high, especially as a director. Uh, the director's uh, page is far shallower than the others, only just under 2,500 people, so barely makes the top half. As far as writers go, uh, Peter Landsman is also credited as a writer. Um, uh, it is his third film with that credit, and the other two are the same, Concussion and Parkland. So Mark Felt ranks as his third highest and worst film overall, Lowers his average film rating to a forty-six point six six seven. That can't be right. Eighty-four. Oh no! Concussion. What are you actually rated? Five. Okay. So this accidentally. So his directing. Well, he's probably one spot higher than. Um. Yeah, forty-six point six seven. Uh, this is the only film of his, his writing film of his rated lower than a 50. His value is negative 1 and his score is 27 Which is what his director score would be uh, which actually moves him up a tiny bit uh, So he's actually tied for like 902nd uh, There are other writer credits given to this film and those go to Mark Felt himself uh, for an autobiography as well as John D. O'Connor. This is both of their first films with writing credit Uh, Their average film rating is a 32, their values are negative 1, and their scores are 9.67, which ranks them at 4,111 out of 5,245. Not a great start. But I don't really expect, I don't expect Mark Felt to get any more writing credits, but I don't know, maybe John D. O'Connor. As far as acting, um, we have 15 acting credits to go around. Uh, the highest rated after this movie is Eddie Marsan, who gets one scene. He plays it quite well, uh, but it, it just one scene. Um, this is Eddie Marsan's 24th credit. Uh, Mark Felt uh, ranks as his 23rd highest rated movie and lowers his average film rating to a 64.38. Uh, it is his third film rated between 25 and 49 and lowers his value to a 10.5. His score is 69.92, and leaves him ranked 216th overall, right behind Philip Baker Hall, and right ahead of Ian Hart. Uh, Mark Felt comes in behind Sherlock A Game of Shadows, but ahead of Snow White and the Huntsman, Marsan's worst film. Next up is Liam Neeson, Mark Felt himself. Uh, This is his 42nd credit, Um, and 35th film overall, coming in ahead of third person, and behind Clash of the Titans. Uh, It lowers his average film rating to a 58.48. It is his 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, lowers his value to a 9, and his score to a 65.32. This leaves Liam Neeson ranked 360th overall. Next is Tom Sizemore, another very minor character. This is Tom Sizemore's 11th credit and 10th rated overall. It comes in behind Born on the 4th of July and ahead of Dreamcatcher. Uh, It lowers his average film rating to a 62.55. It is his only film rated between 25 and 49 and lowers his value to a 5.5. Score now sits at 58.42 which leaves him ranked 710th overall, right behind David Wenham and ahead of Benjamin Bratt. A little further down, we have Josh Lucas. This is Josh Lucas's 12th film, uh, 12th credit, and 10th best overall, coming in behind Little Accidents and ahead of Stealth. Josh Lucas' Uh, lower is lower, lowers his average film wearing to a 58.33. It is his third film, rated in the 25 to 49 range, and lowers his value to a three. His total score becomes 53, which makes his overall rank 1127. Uh, tied with some other people, such as John Hamm, Zach Woods, um, and coming in behind Jack Raynor. Uh, Next is Tony Goldwyn. This is Tony Goldwyn's 10th credit. Uh, It is his 9th rated film overall, coming in just behind Insurgent and ahead of Bounce. Tony Goldwyn's average film rating drops to 57 even. Uh, It is his 4th film rated between 25 and 49, and his value is now 1.5. He has a score of 49 even this ranks him 1529th overall tied with a lot of other people including let's see here Janet Leigh, Lee Janet Lee um, Julia Ormond Doug Jones Donald Sumter, among others and behind uh, Wendell Pierce and Colm Fiore who have 49.05 films. Uh, Next up is Martin Sokas. I don't know if you pronounce the C in his name. Uh, You know who I mean, I I assume. Uh, This is his 18th film credit that I've seen and ranks as his 14th best overall. Uh, Mark Falkes slots in behind Voice from the Stone and ahead of The Equalizer. It is Uh, It lowers his average film rating to a 54.56. It is his 8th film, rated between 25 and 49, and drops his value to a negative 1.5. His score is 47.6, and that leaves him ranked 1,668th overall, uh, tied with Ben Wishaw and Matt Craven uh, behind Ozzie Davis. And... uh, so-cus? So-cus? Mm, it's going to bug me. Next up is Bruce Greenwood, uh, who gets two scenes in the movie. This is his 31st film credit, and his 23rd best overall, ranking behind Dinner for Schmucks, and ahead of Gold. Uh, Bruce Greenwood now hasn't had drops his average film rating to a 52.61. It's his 8th film, rated between 25 and 49 for me and drops his value to a negative six. Uh, his score is 43.42, which ranks him 2,126th overall. That puts him just behind um, John Lytell, um, who's known for Jezebel starring Betty Davis or the life of Emile Zola, and just ahead of Michael Redgrave, known for The Innocents, The Lady Vanishes and Battle of Britain that I've seen so far and uh, Bruce Greenwood. And so he's 2,126th out of four thousand one hundred six. so we just crossed the halfway, uh, the 50th percentile as it were. (laughs) Next up is Diane Lane, given the thankless wife role in this movie. This is her 16th film credit and ranks as her 12th best overall. It comes in behind The Perfect Storm and ahead of Man of Steel. Uh, It lowers her average film rating to a 50.81. It is her sixth film, rated between 25 and 49. Drops her value to a negative 3.5 and her score to 41.67. That puts her tied at 2312 with uh, Robert Prosky, Giancarlo Giannini, Laura Haddock, uh, and behind uh, melissa benoist 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 i've heard it both ways um who is supergirl on the cw uh, was also in gale later seasons benoist benoist i want to look it up how do you pronounce Noist in English, however in French. It's Benoit. I would think... Oh, she doesn't even pronounce it herself. Benoit. Benoit. Hold on. Let me just make sure about this. Okay, so it's actually a little bit different than the others. Um, So here's how it goes. Melissa Benoist. Melissa Benoist. Okay, I got that now. Got that now. All right, Melissa Benoist, uh, ranked just ahead of Diane Lane. Moving on. Next up is Colm Meaney. This is his 12th film credit and 10th best overall. Uh, It falls behind Law Abiding Citizen and ahead of Soldiers of Fortune. Uh, It is lower, it lowers his average film rating to a 49.5. It is his third film, rated between 25 and 49. Drops his value to a negative 2 and his score to a 40.43, which leaves him ranked 2,444th. This puts him behind a host of people uh, including Kerry Washington, Zhang Zee, uh, Andrew Dice Clay, Paul Bates, uh, Alfie Allen, Bella Lugosi, Linda Blair, Claudette Colbert, uh, and ahead of Linda Harrison. Um, Linda Harrison is known for the original Planet of the Apes, the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes, and Beneath the Planet of the Apes. So she's just in Planet of the Apes movies. Cool. Uh, next up is Michael C. Hall, or Dexter, from the Showtime TV show. This is his 7th film credit, and ranks as his lowest rated film, coming in behind Peep World. It lowers his average film rating to a 49 even. It is his 4th film, rated between 25 and 49. And has a, he has now has a value of negative 3. His overall score is 35.11. And that ranks him as 2,929th overall, behind Gloria Swanson, um, and ahead of Jeanette Hayne. Um, Jeanette Hayne is not is known for *The Reader*, *The Whistleblower*, and *The Young Victoria*. I'm sure among others. Next up is Ike Barinholtz. This is Ike Barinholtz's eighth. Film credit, I've seen. I've seen. It ranks as his seventh best film, coming in behind Neighbors 2, who are already rising, and ahead of Snatched. Uh, it is It lowers his average film rank to a 46.75. It is his fourth film, rated right between 25 and 49, and drops his value to a negative 3.5. It leaves his score at 33.9, which puts him uh, at 3,033rd place, uh, which puts him behind. Uh, Joss Ackland, who you might know from the Mighty Ducks series, uh, Bill and Ted's Vogus at Journey, The Hunt for Red October, and puts him ahead of Michael Mechelhatton from Perrier's Bounty, 50 Dead Men Walking, uh, Autopsy of Jane Doe, The Zookeeper's Wife from this year, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I think he's a Game of Thrones alum. I think so. And uh, still got a couple to go. Um, Micah Monroe is, comes up next. This is her 8th film credit and 5th best overall. Ranking behind Boca and ahead of Labor Day. Mark Felt drops her average film rating to a 40.88. This is her 3rd film rated between 25 and 49. It lowers her value to a negative 6.5. And her score to 26.2. She is ranked three thousand five hundred thirty-fourth, behind Penelope Cruz and ahead of Charlie McDermott, uh, Brian D'Arcy James, who I know far more from the Broadway musical, musicals plural, uh, Shrek, where he plays Shrek, and Something Rotten, the sort of uh, Shakespeare parody mu- musical. Uh, where he plays um, Nick Bottom. This is his fourth film credit on my spreadsheet and ranks as his third best overall, coming in behind Sisters and ahead of Admission. Uh, it lowers his average film rating to a 39.5. It is his second film, rated between 25 and 49, dropping his value to a negative three and his score to 23.33. Uh, his Uh, Overall rank is 3,688. Tied with Carol Channing and Massimo Troisi. Uh, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong. And ahead of Maggie Grace. There's also Wendy mclendon covey This is her 10th film credit and 5th best overall. Behind Spooner and ahead of Bewitched. Uh, Mark Felt ranks as or Mark Felt drops her average film rating to a 36.2, it is her fourth t- film rated between 25 and 49, and it drops her value to negative 8. Uh, she has a score of 22.17, and that leaves her ranked 3,745th overall. Behind Olivia Cook, Allison Machalka, and Isabel Lucas, who are all tied 3,742nd. And ahead of Angus McFaden, McFadden, Fayan, Faden, uh, Boris McGiver, McGyver. Uh, among others who are all tied at 3746. And there's also Kate Walsh. Uh, Kate Walsh from Private Practice, the uh, Shondaland series. And uh, this is her sixth film credit, uh, her fourth best ranking behind Girl's Trip from this year and ahead of Just Before I Go. Uh, this is drops her average film rating to a 36. Uh, it is her third film, rated between 25 and 49. And it drops her value to a negative 6.5, leaving her overall score at 20.5, and ranking her at 3,809th. Tied with uh, Jennifer Esposito, Jane Seymour, Arielle Kebble among others. Uh, and behind uh, Timothy Osm- Osmanson. Omanson. Omanson. The uh, actual detective in Psych. Uh, or, if you ever watched Gallivant, he plays King Richard. And those are all the actor credits for this film. Uh, moving on to genres. We have Mark Felt, ranked 32nd for 2017 qualifies as a drama and a thriller so it drops the average film range for dramas down to 62.96 and drops the average film range for thrillers down to 55.38. I clocked it as a two on the Bechtel test as um, Michael Monroe's character and Diane Lane's character both talk to each other about male characters uh, specifically Mark Felt's character uh, or Liam Neeson's character Mark Felt. So it's a two Um, It has an MPA rating of PG-13. Doesn't factor into my or IMDb's top 250. Currently has no Oscar nominations. I doubt it gets any, but uh, I guess it's still early. I don't think so. And doesn't factor into my current nominations and awards at all for this year. Moving back to the year... (laughs) Uh, So this is a 2017 film. Uh, I'm now at 195 films from 2017 that I've seen and I've now seen 927 films in this calendar year. The average film rating of films from 2017 drops to 48.51 and the tomato meter for those same films is at 61.52. As a drama it is the 82nd film classified as a drama that I from 2017 that I've seen. And as a thriller, it is the 47th film in the same sense. As a two on the Bechdel test, it is one of the 10.26% of films to have received this uh, number. And as a PG-13 film, it is the 52nd PG-13 film from 2017 that I've seen. Uh, Still a far cry from the R-rated films, but uh, increasing in number, increasing in number. And uh, that's pretty much it, um, as far as the, t- the statistics for Mark Felt goes. Uh, it was not a good movie. I don't recommend it. Seems like a decent like background noise, if you actually know the story behind Watergate pretty well. Which I don't, so there's that. Um, and as far as 2017 films goes, uh, it actually... It would fall between, what do we see here? It falls in line with other films like The Foreigner and The Shack, which I gave 32s as well from this year. comes in ahead of Cars 3 and a short documentary film called uh, 100 Years. And it comes in behind uh, XX, Despicable Me 3, and The Last Word, all ranked 33. So, that's Mark Felt. Um, the man who brought down the white house and thank you for listening to my statistics on that film uh, stay tuned after the interlude for a brief fantasy movie league update we sink into our seats right as they dimmed out all the lights a technicolor world made- If you frequent the chatter, particularly the Cinerealist League chatter, then you're already probably aware of most of the stuff I'm going to get into in this episode, or in this segment, uh, because I've started posting uh, weekly statistics there uh, after having finally completed my spreadsheet for the Fantasy Movie League, but here I would just kind of keep things together and updated as well. So Week 9 uh, saw a tie for the most perfect cineplexes in our league ever uh, at 6. Those 6 perfect cineplexes were Ribone, Perksplex, Plexi, Raman, Director's Cut, and Shawbin. Uh, all people who were previously in the top 10 and remained in the top 10. Um, you'll notice that Keel Music, our leader, was not among that those listed, and so he once again lost ground on everyone below him. Well, not everyone, but those specific people below him Uh, however he still has the lead and uh, he only missed the PC by like two spots Um, instead of playing Victorian Abdul he ended up playing uh, the snowman and Kingsman so he was missed out by like $400,000 which is not the first time that that's happened for him. He was the he was on the other end of the Kingsman American Made fiasco with the foreigner a couple of weeks ago, so uh, his lead continues to shrink, and uh, he now sits at 720 million dollars. Rybone is in second, still with 708, so just 12 million dollars separates them. Perksplex is at 701, Plexy is at 700. Sanidu, uh fell this week. To six hundred and sixty-six million dollars, uh, as he did not play uh, necessarily the best cineplex. Um, he played a he went heavy on Happy Death Day, and uh, lost a lot of ground for that. In sixth is Rahman, who was our leader for the week, uh, locking in the earliest perfect cineplex, uh, winning his second week of the season, and again he missed week one entirely and is ranked 6th right now, and with a real chance to, to move up. Uh, Film Obsessed 35 is in 7th uh, at $663 million, just a million behind, and he missed The Perfect Simplex as well, going with, uh, he still did play some It's, but um, in place of a third Jigsaw, he went with Boo 2 and Happy Death Day, and then finished it off with A Snowman, not playing Victorian Abdul whatsoever. <laughs> Directors Cut and Shawman both got Perfect Simplexes, and they're now 8th and 9th, respectively, uh, at $660 and $651 million. And rounding out the top 10 is the Box Officer, Uh, with $628 million. He finished 11th this week. Um, Also going uh, pretty big on Happy Death Day, but still managing a couple screens of It to keep him from falling too far. Um... Yeah, so now uh, director's cut leads the way in perfect Synplexes this season with three. We have four weeks to go, so unless he, so we'd have to get perfect Cineplexes the rest of the way through to tie Rybone's summer seventeen record. Uh, uh, Xanadu and Raman have both won, or and and J R B have all won two weeks this season. Uh, so with four weeks to go, there if one of those three people runs the the table. They could break the record for most weeks one in a season, uh, that is currently held by, in, co-held by Plexi and Killmusic at five, in their respective winning seasons. Um, any of the people with one, so Chauvin, Plexi, and Perksplex could also run the table and tie that record. Uh, as far as best performers go, Plexi. Most people had three or four this week. Uh, Plexi held on to the lead at 17. Now, Filmups has 35 moves into second with 16. Perksplex and Schauben have 15, and Directors Cut has 14 to round out the top five. There, uh, as I mentioned, or er, as I haven't mentioned it yet, but the most uh, BPs in a season is Reibon with 38, and the smallest BPs in a season, uh, a winning season, with is Schauben with 20. So everyone's still under 20. Uh, Kiel Music has 13. So he would have to avoid seven more BPs and continue to manage to stay at the top in order to win this season and break that record of Chauvin's. However, on the other hand, he has not yet won a single week. And Chauvin won spring 2017 uh, with uh, only... uh, how many? What is it? Um, Two. He only won two weeks that season. And he only had one perfect Cineplex. Uh, so, music has that Perfect Centiplex already. But, uh, you know, if he wins a week handily enough, he could pull this off with one week one. I don't think he really has a chance to do it with zero weeks one. Uh, there are just too many people that close enough to him that that's not going to cut it, in my opinion. You know, um, I think Ribone Perks Plex, and Plexi are just, particularly the last couple of weeks, have just been too strong to let that slide so that's kind of that's where we're at uh, heading into week 10 out of 13 in the fall 17 season Um, looking ahead at week 10 we have Thor Ragnarok opening uh, and it's getting split Friday Saturday Sunday Uh, it's kinda your prerogative what you think is gonna do the best Um, Mostly the talk around the chatter is that Friday and Sunday are probably the better values of the three. And Bad Moms Christmas also opens this week and is valued um, about two-thirds of a Thor Sunday overall. However, Bad Moms opens Wednesday today, not uh, Friday. So, it's kind of problematic. Um, A lot of people looking to the bottom line categories to figure out the best filler to go with Thor movies, but I think the general consensus right now is that one of the days of Thor is going to take Best Performer. Um, Question is, are we all going to uh, learn from past mistakes and not play Double Fridays with blank screens uh, as so many of us did with It? Uh, Or will Thor actually be more profitable in that sense? I don't know. We'll see. Um, My money's on Sunday right now. Uh, but it's really going to be a filler question, I think. I think you're going to play a lot of Thors, and it's going to work out well for you if you do. So it depends on what you think's going to hold well uh, below the $30, 30 FML buck level. And that's, I think, it. Um, oh, I guess I can, one other thing. So... Uh, As far as this spreadsheet for Fantasy Movie League, uh, there is a page that kind of compiles every single week that a person has played. And so, like, I can look at what a person has averaged over every season of their history. Uh, So, briefly, to talk over that, uh, Kew Music has the highest season average right now at $1,152,000,000. Plexi is number two with $1,128,000,000. Shaubin, third, 1,121,000,000. Perksplex, fourth, 1,060,000,000. And Ribone, in fifth, with 1,058,000,000. Um, Plexi currently leads in total uh, best performers at 131. Uh, he averages 26.2 a season. Keel uh, Music is in second, with 129. Ribone, 119. Shaubin, 115. And Perksplex, 86. Perfect Cineplexes, uh, including the most recent week. Ribone is now at 13 perfect Cineplexes. Plex and Keel Music are tied for second at 11. Shalban has 8 and Perplex has 5. And then it's weeks 1. Uh, as far as total weeks 1, uh, Plexi leads with 14, Keel Music at 11, Ribone 6, Shalban at 5. And then Yo-J-B- Yojrb and Xanadu are tied with 4. But in terms of weeks one per season, we're currently looking at uh, Plexi at 2.8, Cue Music at 2.2, Ramon at 2, Rybone at 1.2, and Chauvin at 1. Everyone else averages less than 1. Um, also, these statistics do not include any weeks that uh, people were part of before fall 16 started. Uh, so... For example, uh, Plexi had a perfect Cineplex in the last week of Summer 16, which is not included on this because that was not a full season for the Cinerilus League. Um, and the reason is so has such a low season average is because he started partway through Fall 16, so that number is slightly dragging him down. All in all, uh, you'll notice that it's pretty much the same Four or five names at the top five of all these categories. But, uh, you know, that's a good benchmark. You know, you got to break through if you want to beat these guys. So that's going to be it for the FML update for week uh, uh, past. Week nine just ended. Week 10 is on the horizon. Good luck, everybody. If you have any comments, concerns, questions, or answers, you can send those to Circle of Film at gmail.com <clears throat> if you would like to check out more episodes statistics and just general information about the show head over to circleoffilm.com and if you would like to support the show in any way shape or form check out patreon.com slash film. and as always have a week so long farewell I'll be the same tonight. night I know she will know me, even as she fades from you So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu. In the name of love, one night in the name of love. So long, farewell, oh, what I'll be to say. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.